It's Wednesday, July the 8th, and this is Rev Thoughts, snackable conversations between Tim Thompson and myself, Joel Pilger. Our topic today is recapping Revolve. Okay, Tim, it's been a minute, and we just did this thing called Revolve. What the heck just happened, and where have we been for the past month? <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like my summer is just starting. My, I just got uh, introduced to my summer vacation. Revolve really uh, took a lot of time out of it. You know, it, it's interesting, Joel. For the last couple of days, I've been talking to people who were in Revolve. And the appreciation of what we did, the things that they learned, you know, we moved some people's intellectual furniture. Many of the things we wanted to accomplish, we got that done. Um, but then when I would share, share with them what your and my expectation was in doing it, and there were moments where we committed to something, but we were diving into it at the same time they were. There, there was no, no more clarity for us of what the next four weeks were going to bring us, except for preparation for the next six months. And week by week, you know, our, our world is changing so fast and the issues were changing and coming at us over the next four weeks so much that even from one five-day period to the next five-day period, there seemed to be such a heavier weight on certain people, um, even to where we are now and the sensitivity issues that we have now are so different than when I first brought up the idea of sensitivity four weeks ago and uh, when we started Revolve. So a uh, very, very interesting time for us to be teaching and to be navigating through it um, as well. Yeah, I, well, I'm sitting here thinking of, it was great for you and I to be able to enter into the process in a way that was pretty honest and vulnerable, right? Because I, I, this was a group of, what was it, 25 or so owners of different creative firms from um, really around the world. But it wasn't, the idea was not, oh, we're, we have all the answers. If anything, it was, we're not even sure of the right questions, but we we had this innate sense that said, if we all get together and we start finding the right questions, it's going to lead to something remarkable, some sort of an insight, some sort of breakthroughs. And it was really fun to be honest with people and explore that together. And now getting the feedback from people that went through that process. I don't know. Sometimes I, I just laugh at myself because at the start of it, you and I said, do we even know what we're teaching. And now four and a half weeks later, and a lot of lost sleep and a lot of work, <laughs> we now have owners saying, I'm so glad I went through this process. And I met so many amazing people. And yes, there were insights and breakthroughs that came out of it. But I think we invented a lot of them along the way. So yeah, so I'll give the listeners an example. At the very beginning of the conversation inside of Revolve, um, I created this thing called the Spark Paradox. And I'll say when I first put it out there, it felt very risky. Like I, I, was, I was stepping into something that I knew I had a sense of things that were happening. You really um, stepped in it. I really did. <laughs> um, and and the uh, Spark Paradox is just an acronym for different um, um, contradictory ideas that were co are coming at us as business owners and what that means for us. S stands for sensitivity. P stands for pace. Uh, A is alchemy or, you know, doing, doing more with less. Um, R is risk. And K is the idea of keeping distant and keeping connected at the same time. So those are all paradoxes that we live within um, and we're going to live within for a while. Uh, when I said that and I put it out there and I started trying to create a structure of learning around it, um, 
it, again, it felt very risky. But then we had these surprise guests that you had invited week for week, week over week. And inevitably, each one of them would bring up an idea or struggle they're dealing with, and it would correlate to one of the, or a couple of the ideas of the spark paradox. Um, almost word for word, they were saying it back to us and they were not prepared. I mean, they were jumping on the conversation right. cold. So they, were not, they were not prompted at all. And I'm yeah. with you because I remember when you first presented this, the concept of the spark paradox to me, I also thought, yeah, I think I get it, but I don't know. You may have to fill in a lot of blanks and a lot of gaps here to really yeah. bring this together. But then fast forward over the next four weeks, um, and for, when, for anyone that is unfamiliar with the, these surprise guests, was we said, hey, let's get the industry perspective from the other side of the table. I mean, let's bring in a major buyer, someone that's on the client side each week. And so we had somebody from um, a big brand, like a Fortune 100 company, you know, the director brand person. Um, we had Patrick Jager from, uh, you know, speaking the world of content, Andy Baker from Disney, and then Alex Gianni from BBDO. And like you said, it was so funny, ironic even, that each week when they spoke to the group and said, hey, here's what we're seeing. Here's what I would be thinking about if I was running a studio or a production company. And it almost played out like we had set them up, yeah. right? Because yeah. there were literally times when I remember Alex at BBDO saying, hey, you know, we're entering an, another era of we're going to do even more with even less. And we talked about that alchemy and what I've called ephemeralization. And everyone in the group was already nodding like, yes, we've been talking about that and processing that. And on the one hand, it's sad and frustrating, but on the other hand, wait, maybe this is opportunity. And that's the paradox, paradoxical nature of it. Yeah, it, it, you're right. It is hard, hard to conceptualize paradox because the thought of a paradox is two contradictory ideas that are both true. And it takes more study to understand them. So obviously there's some structure to, as you said, originally asking the right questions within a paradox. But I, I believe most of us are facing paradoxes every day. It, we can feel it as we uh, put on a mask in one area, but it doesn't, just doesn't make sense why we're doing it when something else is happening. Or this idea of social distancing that we know contradicts the science that's out there, but we have this um, desire to do something greater. Um, so there's these contradictions that we're living out and trying to navigate with ourselves, with our employees, with our clients, and having a sensitivity to that. Um, my, I think the one that hit me was Andy Baker when he talked about the risk one. And the risk paradox is that, well, I'll say traditionally when you're taking, when you're taking a risk or a client is taking a risk, they often when they want to preserve what they're doing, they stick with the same group of creative people. When they want to promote something, when they want to do something new, they reach out to a new group of people. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. In this paradox, the clients want to do new things with the same people. And so that is, a, you have to think like, okay, I have to take greater risks, but not take a risk at all. And that's a very difficult thing to navigate, but it obviously makes sense when, when they're making that decision. Um, so many of us are facing and looking at things within a paradox. And I, and I believe that's some of the struggle. If I'm a business owner, I'm stressing out because I'm trying to navigate what seems unreasonable or contradictory. And 
to bring my team together or to relate to a client, um, to even have a conversation with other business owners, which um, we did in our small group breakouts. There was a lot to navigate and it's becoming very stressful. Um, and I think that, you know, we, the, the one ingredient we didn't talk about during Revolve is this idea of leadership and leadership within the spark paradox is something everyone's going to have to grasp. Well, I think that's where you and I were remarking that if we had done a fifth week in that process with all these owners, that might well have been that ingredient we would have tackled is okay. In the ingredient of entrepreneurship, what does it look like to lead and to still have a vision despite the paradox that we're all moving through? Um, I think here's an interesting question I have in terms of what we learned and what we can share here on the podcast. What, what were some of the big takeaways and insights that everyone walked away with after the experience? Well, I think the small group thing was really huge to be in a small group with five, six, seven other business owners of equal caliber, um, having a conversation and having to process out loud the struggle of being a business owner and a, and a leader. We challenged them on their marketing or positioning. And I think to be very vulnerable, especially when it comes to positioning, most people feel very vulnerable with positioning. Um, and to do that out loud, to make those first proclamations, sometimes proclaiming their positioning in front of their competitor, their direct competitor, mm -hmm. um, felt very challenging for people. But then I believe the bonds that were formed by taking that risk is something that was a great takeaway from, from that group. Yeah, I'm sure. I know there were several moments when someone in a breakout group said, yeah, here's our positioning. You know, we're the studio, blah, 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 storytelling, passionate, <laughs> whatever those things might be. And someone else in the group says, wait, that, that's, that's ours. Yeah. Right? Like we're, we're all saying the same thing. But I think you're right with the breakout group. That was a big takeaway. There wasn't so much of an insight like, how, here's what I need to do in business. Here's a decision I need to, to make. I think it was, and this is a consistent wake-up call, I think, that we, we keep seeing is that the power of community just keeps growing. And maybe it's the pandemic. Maybe it's being an owner is generally a lonely road for a lot of these people. But when they come together into a breakout group where it's not 20 or 30 people all at once, it's five or 10, they all walk away saying, wow, I had no idea everyone else was struggling with the same thing. I don't feel nearly as alone. And in fact, I wanna move forward with this group for as long as possible because we're all in this together. We really are. Yeah, I, I think that people are m more willing to do things now than they were before. Right. Um, so, so being in a small group with your competitor um, is almost, you know, it's an opposite of what you did before. It's funny, it's like keeping connected to someone I usually keep distant. Oh, interesting. And in reverse, keeping somebody distant who I usually stay connected. So my employees are now distant, my competitors are now close, is a, was a very strange thing for them. Um, and you're right to be in that small group and to be able to say, so your, your idea of not a production company, but the production company mm -hmm. to make that statement in front of your competitors says like, I am the production company that does this discipline and to have to challenge your, your peers in that way. 
amazing. I, I think there's just some great challenges we over we push people into, but I also believe there's some visibility into their future. Um, later on, when we got into the production and finance kind of look of things, uh, how to navigate and how to look at things differently. Um, we applied the splits using a different sensitivity, using the Spark Paradox. So where will you spend your money now that this is true? Um, and ideas like workspace, employee retention, client outreach are all changing one way or another. Even with PPP funds, what that might have meant for certain companies for a certain amount of time. But strategically, what that's going to mean for you over the next few months and I can tell you now, I mean, four weeks later after starting Revolve and looking at the evolution of people's cash flow in just four weeks, Joel, in four weeks, the dynamic difference of what people are up against, there is a large cushion of cash and a lot of people's coffers. And then if I look 12 weeks out, very different look. Yeah, so I feel like we got to the, the, a peak and now we're going straight down the Alps. And you're going to have to know how to navigate through those that terrain for three months. That's what we set people up for in Revolve. So an exciting time, I think a very stressful time, but what I, I believe most people um, have and why they want to stay in those small groups even beyond um, these are those four weeks is that they formed a certain bond of trust. And that trust is what we really need to have with one another in this, um, this strange paradox life we now live. Well, I'll just say this too. I think it was enough uh, it was a significant enough of a insight or, or revelation for you and I being the, the consultants, the mentors leading the, the process that we walked away saying, clearly this breakout group concept, this way of bringing owners together needs to grow. And we need to, we need to start integrating this into more and more of how we interface with our clients and the industry. So I think that's very cool to see maybe again, this is another silver lining or strategic byproduct of the pandemic, but maybe the way we move together, move forward as together as an industry is, is shifting in some good ways, despite the, all the hard things happening. So let's talk about the spark paradox and entrepreneurship. Let's, let's have that discussion right now. Cause I think that, um, if I was a listener to this podcast, I actually, I've heard the Rev Thinkers talk now about all the great things other people have learned, but maybe there's an opportunity now that, um, I'm putting you on the spot. I can see yeah, this on your face. <laughs> you're like, dang, Tim, I, I, and you're, I think you're, are you reading something right now to figure out what you're going to say? No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm having um, some PTSD because I have my giant post-it notes on the wall that I would usually be up all night preparing for my, <laughs> right. For my presentation tomorrow inside Revolve and I'm sweating it because I'm like, I got 800 ideas. I got to collapse down into, you know, 30 yeah. minutes. But, I, you know, I think it's actually a great question because the, the ingredient of entrepreneurship is it's probably the m most conceptual of all the ingredients that it takes to run a creative firm. The other six are, shall we say, somewhat practical. Um, because when we talk about entrepreneurship, we're saying, why did you even get in business in the first place? Why are you staying in business uh, and if you continue forward, where are you going and what's your vision? Uh, what's the, op what are the opportunities? How do you foresee evolving and shifting and changing? And do you have any sort of a strategy when it comes to someday passing the torch, exiting those kinds of things? So that's, that's the setup. Um, I mean, I have a few thoughts on 
if I was leading a session tomorrow in the ingredient, I have a, I have a thought, but do you, you want me to share that or you want to go first? Well, how about this? How about I challenge, let me just add this challenge into this thought process. Um, we're talking about the ingredient of entrepreneurialism. We obviously have the entrepreneurial formula, needs plus resources equals solution. If I were to break down the challenge here in, the par- in this paradox timeline, I would first ask the question of how does the spark paradox work with needs? So what, how do I redefine needs with sensitivity with pace, meaning, you know, get um, the, the things that seem to be going slow and the th- things that seem to be going fast, like the time, I don't, I don't know if you're experiencing, but timelines to me are now all shot for some reason. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, the need of alchemy more for less, the need of risk, um, taking risk with the same people and then keeping close and keeping distance and how those things are swapped. How would I redefine needs for my clients and then resources? How does the spark paradox redefine resources? Because here's what's interesting. Um, Without a doubt, you had a facility, you had computers, you had people, (laughs) right? And there was very much, if you build it, they will come. Even though we've said for 100 years, Joel, it's not if you build it, they will come. People still built things out. And now nobody is going to work that way. So how do you redefine what resources actually are under this new world order of a spark paradox. Um, so now if you put needs and resources, but you have a new definition or a new sensitivity or an understanding of what those are, how does that become new solutions? That's uh, how I take the challenge. Well, it's a big challenge. I would begin with, I'll name a book that I love that's titled Start With Why, which is by my favorite TED talk of all time from Simon Sinek, that I think I would be asking that question of myself and my business, but I would especially be asking it on behalf of my clients that I serve because in a time of uncertainty, I think the way that you're going to find the way that paradox plays itself out is by asking the why question and then asking it again at the deeper level and then asking it again at the deeper level. I forget there's some sort of a common method out there. If you ask why three or four or five times or seven times or something that you will ultimately get to the actual truth beneath the surface. So it's that moment where you strip away, well, we've always done it this way or well, because simple answer, cliche, stereotype, common pattern, right? Because if you keep asking your client, all right, in what is the need Oh, because we, we need this thing done. We need this commercial. We need the promo. We need this launch thing. Okay, but why? Well, because we need revenue. Well, why do you need revenue? Why, we, why, why, why? That's an uncomfortable conversation. You have to be vulnerable. You have to be a leader, ultimately, I think, to ask those kind of questions. And then part two of that conversation is bringing your expertise to bear in, in the statement, well, have you thought about... And that's like, that's what an expert does. An expert gently and lovingly says to the client, well, if I were you, I would be thinking about this as a solution or this as, as an innovation or this new approach. And that's where your clients will often say, wow, I'm so glad I'm talking to you. I'm working with you. I'm in relationship with you because I'm, I'm not in a position or I don't have the perspective or the ability to ask those questions and you're drawing it out of me and helping me move forward. 
Uh, yeah, I, I think you're nailing it right on the head there. Um, out of the five ingredients of the spark paradox, um, sensitivity, the one where you're giving comfort and pushing at the same time, right? Um, you're helping people with their fears and helping people find opportunity. Those don't often go together. And but you said the right word. It's this thought of like, but what we need is leadership. Mm-hmm. There's something about a leader that could comfortably push you into something. The one thing I found early on um, in this crisis, uh, probably eight weeks ago now or 10 weeks ago, I don't know, I'm stuck in that whole pace thing. I can't figure out if it's moving slow or fast. When I listened to FDR's speech, um, talking about right after, uh, oh, his, his inaugural address, and he's talking about the only thing you have to fear is fear, fear itself. And he has this thought of like what it meant that fear would help, would make us recoil, would pull us back and restrain us from actually making progress when what the nation needed that time. And by the way, he wasn't talking about a time of war. He was talking about a time of depression. He, he was saying what we need to do is not live, give up to our fears, but push on. And he can do it because he was a leader. He was a mm-hmm. strong, comfortable leader that can say in this time that you want to recoil, is also the time we need to step up. And my voice, my ideas, my vision, my purpose will help us get through it. Elected president four times, clearly um, hit the, was doing it and doing it well. I would say to my business owners, have you prepared yourself for leadership? I mean, I, I know you're a great creative director or amazing producer or a sought after salesperson, but do you know what it takes to lead people who are in their home uh, quarantined, doing the best they can in life and trying to produce goods for you, manage their kids, whatever. Can you lead people through their life crisis or are you only worried about your own business, your own, your own bottom line? Yeah, I, I, I think it takes uh, courage. It's really, really tricky because finding a way to strike a balance between those two dimensions you mentioned, like how can I comfort my client, right? Reassure them, but at the same time, push them and make them uncomfortable. Uh, that is a, that's a delicate proposition. And I would say this, that courage, the reason we feel like we have to be courageous in those times is we know that some people may not like it. And that is really tough as a business owner to say, you know, if I make this person uncomfortable, they may not like that. That's awkward. That's challenging. Um, but it's that, I guess it's the question of, are you just, you know, are we giving people what they want or are we actually giving them what they need? Yeah. And, and to be able to give people a strength from within is a very different proposition than pushing them from without, I mean, from outside. Um, so the thought of getting inside of somebody and living and navigating life with them. That's what leadership is doing. It's finding that comfort because you're understanding them and then helping them grow. Um, one of the things I've come to terms with is this thought of we, we're, we're misusing words. And one of the words we misuse is this word understanding. Um, we don't understand each other. I don't understand you. Uh, you don't understand me. Um, sometimes we mean that, like you actually don't understand what I'm saying. But often what we mean by that, or sometimes what we mean by that, is that we don't agree with each other. So when, we're, when we don't have an agreement, doesn't mean we don't have an understanding. Um, I can understand everything you're saying and still disagree with you. 
And that's got to be okay. Leadership has the ability of saying, I'm going to take the time to understand what your concerns are, what your thoughts are, what your needs are, and right. but, but not have to always agree with every point that you're making. Um, I think that's a certain strength it takes. Well, I, I'm, I love that you found some new words to that um, sensitivity dimension of the paradox, because you really you boiled it down nicely there. So anyone that was in Revolve is going to hear that and be like, yeah, that's a really crisp way of uh, conveying that idea. Well, I think we should do this. Uh, I want to get to talking about how these breakout groups that we mentioned earlier are actually going to be moving forward because people that are listening uh, will actually have an opportunity to jump into where we're going. But I think that that combined with uh, the, the, the former daily briefing and what that's becoming is like a whole nother topic for another uh, rev thoughts. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think what you're talking about basically is the, um, the confab summer breakout and this thought that we have of uh, one, those small groups that were in revolve want to stay together. We've rolled them into the weekly confab group, which you've had for many years as the alumni for the accelerators. And then this summer, we want to really welcome in a f welcome in the members of our seven ingredients uh, group. Um, yep. Those people that are that participate that are business owners. Um, I'll say maybe it's fair to say not everyone in seven ingredients is a, will qualify to be in confab because you do have to be a business owner and not just interested in the conversation, um, just to allow for the, the growth to take place. But the, to do this summer breakout allows us to really convert the, our weekly briefing into a, a legitimate conversation that's what people could, could roll into small groups. So to tie the two together, our weekly briefings on Mondays, our confab group on Wednesday, and let the small group break that stuff down. Um, I'm really looking forward to it, especially with the feedback we got from the Revolve small groups. Well, let's make sure we unpack that um, in our next Rev thoughts, because I definitely want to give people a sense uh, who are listening how they can plug into that, benefit from it, and be part of that conversation. 